0: Forever, dog.
1: Just between us. Hey. Just
2: between
0: us. Hey. Hello, I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, director, and dry skin sufferer.
3: Oh my God! Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and uh, I also have dry skin.
0: You can't steal my thing. I'm sorry.
3: I was going to say boy genius, but now I'm very oh, interested boy. in this skin debate.
0: I'm unexpectedly spending the winter in New York. It's and
3: snowing, right? Not yet. It will be soon, but my hands are not happy about it. Okay. Interesting. So we talk a lot about face skin and, and rightfully so. Uh, the face is the um, window to the heart. Anyway, the point is, is that. Nobody uh, says that. <laughs> okay. Agree to disagree. Uh So, but nobody ever talks about hand skin. That is the skin that is a dead giveaway if you take care of your skin or not.
0: Well, I think you could take care of your face skin and still neglect your hand skin and vice versa.
3: But that's what I'm saying. I think the hands are the giveaway to like, how how, if you're doing a holistic approach to skin i
0: my hands just get painful because they like split open and bleed and then i get Uh, this i get like a my classic wrist rash whenever it gets cold wrist rash oh yeah i get my yearly wrist rash (laughs) shout out for the wrist rashers
3: (laughs) wait wait okay so then what's the what's the medical solution
0: i have to put some cream
3: on that's it
0: yeah I also read a tweet that said that it's really important to dry your hands well after you wash them. And so mm. I'm trying to do that. I don't do that well.
3: I just imagined you on Twitter in the search bar <laughs> typing wrist trash <laughs> and then seeing what comes up. I bet a lot of people get this. I mean, I imagine so. I don't have that. I have the joy of eczema on my face, which means sometimes I'm just brushing flakes off my face. Mm. Um which is so fun, uh, but no, I do not suffer from wrist rash. So I am so sorry. Thank you. It's
0: just another burden I bear, but you know, <laughs> it's gotta keep keep it on.
3: You should you should have a foundation for wrist rash. Uh,
0: it's just fun to say. Horrible wrist to rest, have. Wrist
3: rest. <laughs> This is
0: just between us—a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, <laughs> ridiculous games, and brutal honesty.
3: I truly love the idea of something being fun to say and terrible to have. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's
3: like everything like, I have. <laughs> yeah, like oh, tuberculosis—fun to say, terrible to have. Terrible to have. <laughs> I just imagine, like a shitty doctor, like going <laughs> in and being like, "You have fibromyalgia." Fun to say. Terrible to have.
0: My favorite thing that a doctor ever told me was when I went to my gastroenterologist and he was like, told me all the things I couldn't eat and that I needed to eat tiny portions throughout the day. And then he was like, Yeah, it's tough. I couldn't do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I was
3: like, Fuck you, man. I'm not doing it either. (laughs) Oh my God. Do you think he was trying to be relatable?
0: I guess. I don't know. It, it's great, though, because it has 100% empowered me not to do it.
3: <laughs> and as a doctor, I think he may have failed at his job. His <laughs> job is supposed to be to motivate you to, to do it. Actually, I don't think that's part of their job. I really think that like bedside manner is kind of a lost art. <laughs>
0: well, this is also the man who hugged me when I saw him that one time. And that
3: really threw me off in the elevator. Is this that guy?
0: No, it wasn't in the elevator. I like walked into the office and he hugged me. And then I didn't remember anything he said the whole appointment because I was just thinking about how weird it was that he hugged me.
3: That is weird. Yeah. Do you think he he read a book that was like, be nicer to your patients? And he was like, okay. And then just took it too far.
0: Because I have to tell you, I didn't get a sense that it was like a sexual thing no it just just felt weird yeah it just (laughs) felt like like crossing a boundary that there was no reason to cross like a a healthy handshake pre-covid would have been very welcoming sure i anyway
3: yeah i had a i was thinking we're thinking a lot about boundaries with doctors because mal's breaking up with their therapist Mm -hmm. um but they also have successfully done it over the course of many, many (laughs) sessions where they had not successfully done it. And they, and I was like, this is so weird. Like I had a therapist in New York who was literally like, if you see me at the movies, like do not acknowledge me. Like we cannot acknowledge each other in public. And then there's other therapists that are like, I'm at your book signing. It's,
0: it's a gray area. I used to think therapists had to be very much of a blank slate and not a person to their patient. And I now no longer think that that is the only way, or even the best way. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I, my yeah. therapist will come to my next book signing. That would be so exciting.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be a book about mental health. So she would maybe, maybe she would just go anyway. And then they'd be like, Are you Allison's therapist? And she'd be like, Absolutely not. I'm just interested in the subject matter.
0: Good, mm. al- good alibi. And she'd be wearing one of those glasses that's attached to a mustache. <laughs>
3: Okay. Well, we've got a great show for you this week. (laughs) Speaking of mental health, oh my God, we're going to be asking Ellen Forney some tough questions about bipolar disorder. Ellen is an incredible cartoonist who like literally changed my life. I'm so excited to have her on. I'm a big, big, big fan.
0: And later we'll be discussing exercise and how we can reframe it as something that's not just about changing how your body looks.
3: Oh, also read read the email about underwear speaking of.
0: Okay, so a couple of episodes ago I revealed that I don't wear underwear anymore mm-hmm. and that it's way more comfortable for me and I wash my pants every time and like I it's just my choice in my body. <laughs> This wonderful listener sent this great email that says I'm currently listening to the December 9th episode and I have to tell you I used to get a shit ton of UTIs. You could look at me the wrong way and I'd get one. One time a doctor at my university's hospital told me to stop wearing underwear. She explained moisture and warmth is what bacteria needs to grow and underwear keeps the crotch area warm and holds moisture especially if you're not on birth control and experience the discharge phases of your menstrual cycle. So there you go, vulva vagina havers.
3: Throw away your underwear. (laughs) First of all, two things come to mind. One, I love the listeners of this podcast. Love them. I love our fans. I love the emails we get. (laughs) Whatever ones you show me, top-notch chef's kiss. The fervor with which this person has written in to let us know that we are right about underwear is just but so wonderful. But that's what I'm talking about. We got to
0: support each other. We got to go out of our way to support each other all day, every day. And this was a supportive, helpful email.
3: Please leave a review and give us five stars. But here is a review. Ready? <laughs> Ready? Look. So this review is from Met On Hold. And it says, are you a mentally ill bisexual with childhood trauma? Mwah. Oh my God, I just listened to the episode with Angela Tucker, and I'm over here fully crying with Allison. The international question and the things Gabby said in topics were like somebody wrote this podcast episode around my life. If you're a mentally ill bisexual with childhood trauma, this is the place for you. We're also the place for other
0: people as well. But if you're that demographic, oh man. <laughs> but first, hit it! Hit <laughs> it! International question! International question! International question! Anonymous. Connecticut. So we know Connecticut, but that's all we know, okay? And stop trying to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Anonymous writes, Yesterday I found out a member of my immediate family committed a violent crime, and I feel like my entire life has been upended. The family member suffers from addiction and severe mental health disorders, both of which caused me a lot of pain and trauma in my childhood that I'm still working through 15 years later. My primary response to this event has been anger, and because of this, I have reached out to a few therapists to help me work through and make sense of what's happened and my emotions. I know that I will eventually be okay, and the skills I've learned from therapy in the past and the skills I will learn from re-entering therapy will help me get through this my secondary issue right now is my significant other immediately after I found out about the violence that happened I considered calling my boyfriend but then realized he would not be able to give me the support I need right now so I called my best friend who was able to help me talk through my feelings of shock betrayal and anger I talked to my boyfriend later in the day and all he said was I'm sorry and let me know if you need anything We have been dating for two years, and it's very clear to me that my boyfriend has no clue how to talk about emotions, and honestly, I don't feel like I can take on the job of teaching him while I'm going through this trauma. In the past, I've tried asking him how he feels about things, what his emotional responses are, and I have always get met with non-answers, which is a little frustrating and exhausting. I've asked him before if he's considered going to therapy, and his answer was, I don't really know what I would have to talk about to a therapist. I've tried finding resources for him on how to deal with a significant other that struggles with depression, anxiety, and OCD, but haven't found anything good. I'm getting to the point where I don't know if I can stay with this person who inadvertently makes me feel like my emotions are all too big for him to handle. Please let me know if you have any good advice for a person whose significant other doesn't have the emotional toolkit to support a mentally ill person going through a major life event. Thank you.
1: Oh
3: boy. <clears throat> okay. Well, first of all, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, I too have a family member with addiction problems. Uh, that family member, uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into it on the show right now, but that family member, uh, was involved in an accident that did severely harm someone. I found out that about that much later in life. And it did, uh, really, really traumatize me to learn that information. um, you need to take care of yourself, listener. This is, this boyfriend is not your problem. You you got your own thing going on. It's very sweet that you're like, how do I teach him stuff? But fuck that. That is literally last priority on your goddamn list right now. You have to take care of yourself. You looking for therapists for yourself is you being proactive, you wanting to make sure that you handle this and that you process all of this uh correctly and in a way that that is healthy is top priority and the fact that you felt like you couldn't talk to your boyfriend about this and that was not obviously like friends are important and it's okay that you call you felt like you could call your friend first and blah 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 and your partner can't be everything to you uh but no you can't also be teaching this person how to have emotions or how to or, or convincing them to go to therapy or whatever else like you are the priority this is your trauma and this this person no, 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 no,
0: <laughs> um, I had a bit of a more nuanced reaction than Gabby. My
3: boyfriend, you, you wrote that email to me. <laughs> you sent me that email and my response was, fuck that boyfriend. <laughs> so
0: first of all, in terms of resources, that's exactly what the book I've been working on is about. It's about Mm -hmm. how to date with anxiety, OCD and depression, and also Mm -hmm. how to talk to your partner about that. And it's also, I think hopefully will be a good resource for partners to read who don't totally understand how their partner's brain works or how Mm -hmm. these disorders can manifest. Um, so I'm hoping to fill, fill that gap in right now, May, 2022. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know it's tough right so right now obviously the point is not him and you have to do Mm -hmm. what you have to do but something I've thought about a lot is like you know what is the right amount of emotional support to expect from your partner
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: not to make huge generalizations but I think sometimes straight men tend to go to how do I fix this
3: Mm-hmm. And if they cannot
0: fix this, then there is nothing to discuss in a lot of ways. Um,
3: I can be that way too, just FYI. but
0: Yeah, like so I guess certain people, right? So certain people, if, if all that is needed is just listening mm-hmm. or like potentially asking questions that just allow for the person to process more, that mm-hmm. doesn't always come naturally to everybody. Right. And so... The question is, not right now, because right now, like Gabby said, you are dealing with yourself. You are the priority. You're taking care of yourself. And I actually think it's really smart that you called your best friend instead of your Mm -hmm. boyfriend. I think that was like you realizing that this story that like your partner should be your everything is false and that sometimes you need somebody else's type of support is like really great and very Mm self-aware. I think that when you get to a place maybe where you're have processed the trauma where you're feeling a little bit more settled i think it is since you have invested two years in this person yeah i think it is valid for you to say these things to him and to say look i need more from you you are not providing the emotional support that i need um I'm realizing that when I think about my life and when I think about the the lifelong partnership that I want to have, this is something that I cannot live without. Uh So uh I'm not saying this to you as like an ultimatum, but I'm saying that if, if that is something that you feel that you will never be able to offer me, then I do not think that we are compatible in the long run.
3: Also, when someone says, what am I going to talk to a therapist about? That was such a red flag for me in so many relationships where it's like, yes, but also uh, some people just don't
0: grow up knowing about therapy. Some people don't know what it looks like. Some people don't know what the point of it is. And so yeah. if, like some people haven't had to do a lot of inner work or self-awareness. So I, I totally get that. You know, it, it's more just like now that you're saying this is what I need, mm-hmm. if he is unable to provide that. Mm-hmm. then you have to walk away. But I always willing or unwilling, unwilling yeah. or unable, which yeah. are both possible. But mm-hmm. I always think that it is worth it to give your partner the opportunity to step up.
3: Yeah. Give them all the information, give I mean, them I, all
0: the information. Yeah. And, and you can say, Oh, we've talked about this before, but but really explicitly and directly say, I have thought about this, I have I thought need. about my needs, and mm-hmm. I need this from my partner. Mm-hmm. And so now I need you to look within yourself and decide if that's something that you are able or willing to do.
3: I think sometimes we expect our partners to read our minds and we expect that like, obviously this thing was such a huge trauma. So obviously he's gonna know exactly what to do and he's gonna know what I need. And so let me know if you need anything does sound flippant, but like, if he's gonna say that, then you let him know what you need. Right. Like, And uh, I also think like, maybe they don't realize, sometimes they don't realize what, how much something is affecting you. Like, I sometimes have to be like, hey, this is very overwhelming. I'm kind of at an 11 anxiety wise. Mm -hmm. I don't like I sometimes really, I used to get really angry. But now with Mal, I'm very much like this is what's happening. Like I, I, I need this. I what a a really good thing for you to do right now would be if you could just like, do the dishes while I talk to Mm -hmm. someone on the phone about this or whatever, like, because my love language is acts of service. If unless you give him the opportunity to to do the things that you need, he's he's not gonna know, unfortunately. And your best friend might know. And that's because they're a different person.
0: Right. And and something I've been dealing with processing, mm-hmm. you know, my past relationship. I think I got to a point where I was so emotionally stable Uh and so able to take care of myself that even though he was not offering me the emotional support that I needed or want, or he was not offering the emotional support that I wanted, Uh but because I could take care of myself, I was like, oh, that's not that big of an issue.
3: Interesting.
0: And so I would like. I had thoughts where I was like, "Oh, he could not handle if I was going through a crisis." Really? Whereas I felt like I I knew I could handle him going through a crisis. And that's
3: an interesting thing to come to.
0: Yeah, and, and when I was in the relationship, it was like, "Well, that's just that's just the way that it is, and that's fine because I can handle my own business." Huh. But now moving forward. I know that like, while I can handle my own business, I don't want to have to. (laughs) Being able, you know, to step up when the other person is not doing well. And I felt like I always had to be the one stepping up and Mm -hmm. very rarely could it be the other way, Mm -hmm. um, if at all. And because I've become so strong and so capable, that wasn't that big of a deal, but it was also just not, it's not ideal. And so now that I get to, have to find a new partner. (laughs) Now I realize that it is something that I really want. I want to feel like I don't have
3: to be strong all the time. Wow. That's huge. That's huge to come to. And I think for this listener, the fact that even um, amongst all of what's going on for you, that you're worried about him, you're prioritizing him, you're thinking about him um, is lovely. It's similar to what Allison's saying is like, you don't have to be, it sucks that you have to kind of be the the person doing that right now. It, it is hard because when someone in your family is does something, it's kind of like I remember I went through this thing of. What does that mean about me? What is that, you know, is that something that I'm capable of? I really, I called my therapist Im- immediately and was like so freaked out. I think that, that that needs to be a priority for you to like process that. It's like grief a little bit and confusing. I mean, I would recommend Al-Anon again. Like I, I've been there. Almost everyone there probably has a similar story to th- to you and to this, Um, So you're not alone. Like, you know, you're looking for therapists and stuff. I would focus on therapists who are, and and groups and stuff who are specialized in growing up with an alcoholic or an addict or or, Mm -hmm. um, dealing with someone with Al-Anon type situations, which Al-Anon is different than Alcoholics Anonymous. Al-Anon is for family and friends of people with addiction. And so I think focusing on, on that aspect of it too, because a lot of what you're talking about is very relatable to me, a person who uh, reads the al on Big Book all the time. I also think that
0: right now you don't need to make any big
3: decisions about your. I know a breakup on top of that. Oof. Yeah,
0: so I think right now it's like take care of you, process this, get back to whatever you feel it resembles normal.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then have that conversation with your boyfriend, and and you and again, like we always say, it might not just be one conversation; it mm-hmm. might be multiple conversations. He might say, "Okay, no, I can absolutely provide this," and then doesn't, you know? So right, you know, two years is a long time to have invested in someone, and I think that you owe it to him to give him the opportunity to step up.
3: I would say take care of you first, and if he's not going to be part of that, like if he's just like off to the side while that's going on, mm-hmm. fine. But also you can feel I mean, you can ask things of him. So do that. But also, this is about you. And do not feel bad if your best friend is, is more helpful to you. Because I think you need the person who's going to be most helpful to you. And again, like your partner is not supposed to be everything to you. So if Mm -hmm. there's certain people that you talk to about different things, like that's normal.
0: Honestly, what matters is that you feel like you are getting the support you need. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. if you are but it's just not coming from him but maybe like Abby said he is like filling up your car with gas doing the grocery like maybe Mm -hmm, he is stepping mm -hmm. up in terms of like daily tasks and things and like tangible stuff so you don't have to feel overwhelmed there's a lot of value in that too.
3: I think you should notice that if that's what's happening. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I'll be doing, Mal will be like, you know, you don't care. Like if they're like, you don't care about me or something, I'll be like, oh, let me walk you through all the cleaning I did today, all the this, you know, and it's like, because we're showing it in different ways. Mm-hmm. If I go out and I get food, I bring Mal back some food and they're like, oh, that's so sweet. And I'm like, so see, maybe I'm not like emotionally intelligent, but I bought you <laughs> pie. And I think I I get some credit for that.
0: But the thing is, is that there will be some partners who are fine with that yes, and exactly. some partners who are not. So you exactly. have to figure out what it is you actually value in a relationship and exactly. what it is you need. And if this person fills those needs, correct, correct, correct. <laughs> Hopefully that helps. We're sending you so much love. And if you want to submit your international questions, send it to just us, pod at gmail.com. That's just between us P O D at gmail.com.
3: Up next, we've got a juicy interview with our highly esteemed guest, Ellen Forney. Stick around.
0: Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All the books are good, so you can't go wrong. Every aspect of the Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. They have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month. Books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box, and there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process. They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And with a loyalty program, you get rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment and she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out and she's she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic trying to figure out which one is the best it is right at my alley and I love it so much so if you want to take part in book of the month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for five dollars with code petals that's five dollars off with code petals I cannot recommend this enough Turtles All the Way Down is the acclaimed number one bestseller by John Green, author of The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Turtles All the Way Down is now streaming on Max. NPR named the novel a, quote, sometimes heartbreaking, always illuminating glimpse into how it feels to live with mental illness. Aza Holmes never intended to pursue the disappearance of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake, and her best and most fearless friend Daisy is eager to investigate. So together, they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Pickett's son Davis. Aza is trying. She's trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living with the ever tightening spiral of her own thoughts. Turtles All the Way Down is a brilliant novel about love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. As someone with OCD, it is so wonderful to see OCD represented in an incredible book. I think it is so important that we talk about mental illness, both in our own lives and through narrative. Buy your copy of Turtles All the Way Down in stores today and catch the movie streaming on Max. Just between Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known
3: to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have cartoonist Ellen Forney, who's the author of the New York Times bestselling graphic memoir, Marbles, Mania, Depression, Michelangelo and Me, and also Rocksteady, Brilliant Advice for My Bipolar Life, as well as a bunch of other things. Um, But first, hi, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. I was... was Uh, on yet or not
3: (laughs) you're on this is like in 2012 I was like literally first learning that I was bipolar and dealing with that and I was home in Florida uh with my parents at like a self-imposed rehab where they were like keeping me at the house and I wasn't allowed to go anywhere and I went to the Miami book fair and your book had just come out marbles And it was like on the table at like a mental health booth or something. And I picked it up and I bought it. It like changed my life. It was like the thing that I like read over and over at that time and like loved and like whatever. So to have you on the show is huge for me. Sorry.
1: Thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate that a lot. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I, that I did it, Mm -hmm. that I kind of went through the work to put it out there is exactly that is to help people who. In, in particular, who have bipolar, mm-hmm. in particular, who are really wrestling with it and trying to kind of get grounded to just share the things that I learned, to be able to give other people the privileges that I have, being, you know, having a supportive family who helped me pay for mm-hmm. really excellent care and all, all, all the things that are coming into play that we know about privilege that I'm white and I have a, you know, a, a, a connected with mm-hmm. my white therapist and financial thing and I'm in a city so I had more choices and right. all of those things. So I wanted I wanted to be able to share those things. So thank you, I, I'm <laughs> so glad.
0: It's interesting you
1: say that, Gabby, because you
0: didn't acknowledge mm-hmm. that you were bipolar for, for years Four after that. Four more years
3: after that, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had had a breakdown in 2008 and then another one in 2012 and another one in 2016, which I like to say I'm on the presidential election cycle uh, this year so far for some I'm at I, now we've had like the worst and I'm like, good. But,
1: um, <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe that's the key. That is
3: right. Every four years. Uh, and so, yeah, like that was in 2012. And I and I read the book and I was like, this is me this is exactly me. Um, but then stigma and like shame and all this stuff still kept me from actually like getting a diagnosis and going on the right medication until four years later. And so can you, can you talk a little bit about like what marbles is about and what the the journey of that was and how you got over like, okay, I'm going to write this book. And like, I don't care if, if people think poorly of me or.
1: So marbles is the story of, um, my experience with bipolar basically from diagnosis through the four years it took to stabilize. And then, and then kind of, um, no, noting that that's in retrospect, like you said, it was 2012 when the book came out, I was diagnosed in 1998. So it was really 2002 that, that I really felt like I, like I, I, that I was, that I was stable. I mean, mm-hmm. I still had a lot of work to do it doesn't end (laughs) There's no cure. I mean, it continues Mm -hmm. to be um, something that I, that I have to um, deal with, take care of myself. So, um, so it, so it took a while, like you were just saying between your diagnosis and accepting it Mm -hmm. and, and taking care of it. There are so many different issues that come into play. Uh, so I was diagnosed in 98. It was sh- just before my 30th birthday. And I had gone through some like f- full on episodes. It didn't kind of like more mi- minor, I guess, and more spread out. And then, and then like a lot of people's patterns are somewhere in their 20s that it really, that it really kind of comes to fruition. Mm-hmm.
0: May I ask if, if you were diagnosed with bipolar one or bipolar two?
1: Bipolar one. Just to clarify, bipolar one has full-blown mania mm-hmm. um, and, and full blown depression, mm-hmm. where bipolar two has a more mild uh, mild Hypo- hypomania. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hi- hypomania,
3: my good old friend.
1: Sorry everyone who has <laughs> bipolar 2. But, <laughs> but but full blown mania has um it's you know uh really decreased sleep like that's the that's the really major part gabby tonight was sleep when you were going through yeah mania.
3: i don't sleep i was up all night i was up all night writing a brilliant screenplay that was uh-huh. 60 pages of dialogue which surely david fincher will want to make like it's <laughs>
1: yeah. like up yeah. all night so it's the not much sleep not eating very much nope no it's eating me, right no eating like it's really well like if you think about your system being really amped mm-hmm. like had a lot of coffee or you know like you're really nervous about things you don't want to eat the mm-hmm. like body just kind of shuts that down the
3: shaking hand shaking body shaking can't eat probably need to eat because you're shaking cannot eat one thing in marbles that blew my mind was that i at the time the only thing i could eat were bananas that was it i ate bananas for like three months and then i read in marbles you being like and i could only eat bananas and i was like she is me i am her
1: we are one (laughs) yeah well it's it's something that's kind of easy to eat Mm -hmm. you know sort of filling you Mm -hmm. know whatever why ever bananas that's funny (sighs) So anyway, uh, so I was diagnosed and then I kind of actually the diagnosis kind of made sense to me much as I didn't want, I think I didn't want to accept it for like, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's hard, it's hard to remember in retrospect, but it was at that same appointment that my, um, my psychiatrist said, well, let's take a look at the symptoms together and looked at the, the DSM. I was going to say, Holy Grail, Bible, <laughs> the Bible, <laughs> yeah, the whole book of diagnoses, the
0: incredibly inaccurate flawed right. Bible of mental illness.
1: <laughs> 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 whole other discussion, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just say this, just on on that note, I'll, this will be a, like a sidebar. All diagnoses are are kind of in, inaccurate, like you said. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, personally, I think of symptoms as constellations, and. I think it's useful to have a diagnosis like bipolar one feels right to me, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, um, but it doesn't manifest itself in the same way, um, for other people. And, um, and there's a lot of overlap too with anxiety and panic attacks, like anything that kind of revs up your body, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. overlap. Um, that's why the diagnoses are really difficult to make. And a lot of people get misdiagnosed, Mm -hmm. It's not as cut and dry as uh, I think everyone would like it to be. Right. You have, you have this ABC or you have this XYZ and these are the medications and any other treatment that you need. And These are the medications, treatment that you need. And we're just going to, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's so it's, it's messy. It's, um, it's really difficult to get the right diagnosis and then get the right treatment. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so we went through. We went through this. So my psychiatrist and I went through the symptoms together, and just like everything was like click, click, mm-hmm. click, click, and it was the most bizarre. It was the most bizarre thing. It was. It was as if she. she it was like a like a photo of me, like a description of me. It was like, mm-hmm. me. and I had been. I just felt like such a unique individual. Oh yeah, that it was. Um, it was it was really uncanny and disorienting. I mean, and then and then I had to make some decisions. Like I didn't want to be on meds. Um, my my conception of what that would mean was that it would, that it would totally flatten me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What would that mean for me as an artist?
0: Well, that was something I I, I wanted to talk to you about was mm-hmm. the creativity aspect mm-hmm. because you were going into it being a cartoonist, being a writer, and so. I think there's a lot of fear with medication especially with these mood disorders and bipolar where you feel like if you lose the mania then you will lose your creativity. Right. Mm-hmm. So what was it like battling with that because I know you ultimately did try medication, right?
1: Well, I'm on meds. Mm-hmm. I basically agreed to take Clonopin cuz mm-hmm. I I did recognize that I needed to sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can kind of tell that your body is exhausted. Gabby, like what you were saying, you know, just like not getting any sleep and not eating. And you, you know, you, you shake. I'm shake. I was shaking. shaking. I mean, mm-hmm. you can tell that you're exhausting your body mm-hmm. to, at, at somewhere in your brain. I mean, you know, you you feel like it's okay, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I recognize that I needed to sleep, and so I took a med for sleeping. Mm-hmm. And then, really, it was when I slipped down into the the deepest depression that I had ever experienced and hopefully will ever experience mm-hmm. that I realized that I, I couldn't handle that on my own, that I, that I needed my therapist mm-hmm. and, and that I needed meds. Yeah. Um, and, and I have been convinced of that since then. Um, in particular for mania, there are things that come into play besides medication and besides medication and, and therapy, even Mm -hmm. marbles is basically about my story, um, of, um, you know, trying to find the right meds and really wrestling with not wanting to tell people and what, and what does this mean for my creativity? And, and really going through a lot of ups and downs, trying, trying to find my, find my grounding. One of the things that was really important to me was also to, um, to give my readers tools. Mm -hmm. So, so like here, exactly like Gabby, you were the, you (laughs) were the one that I was doing this for, really. I know. Um, So I wanted, so I wanted to, to put in there, like, rather than just saying, I tried CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, some, you know, the, in the book, I didn't really connect with it except for this one exercise. And here it is mm-hmm. you can if you want, or I did alternate nostril breathing and here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Step one, step two. Um, it was really important to me to, to be able to give specifics like that. Um, and so I felt after, after I did marbles and especially after getting a lot of um, reader uh, feedback um, about how helpful that information was, that's mm-hmm. when I, that's when I put together Book that came out uh, just a couple of years ago, Rocksteady. Brilliant advice from my (laughs) book. Can you talk about the the acronym that you use? When I was doing my research, there were so many acronyms. So I decided that I wanted to have my own acronym for my my system in Rocksteady and Smedmertz. So it's Smedmertz, and Smedmertz is sleep, meds, eat well, um, uh, doctor mindfulness meditation exercise routine tea is for coping tools so that's a little of a cheat but tools and a support system I think yeah. all, all, all all of them actually all of those are really really important I mean just meds just meds and therapy aren't gonna do it mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. I, I was listening to the occupational therapist that mm-hmm. you had on recently, and how she was talking, and you were, and you were agreeing, yeah, <laughs> about, yeah, yeah, about, about treating about treating mental health in a much more holistic way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not just cognitive behavioral therapy. It's not just medication. Mm-hmm. It's it's all of these things. I
3: mm-hmm. had a lot of resentment um, around. The diagnosis because so you talk about in your TED talk about feeling like worried about being happy, like how happy is too happy? Uh, oh my God, I'm happy. What does that mean? Is that bad? Um, is it mania? Is it just happiness? Uh, and I think like also rebuilding. So, like, a lot of what I felt was my personality was bipolar disorder. Right. And so it was hard to pick apart like what was my fun personality and what was mental illness. And mm-hmm when it came to like, okay, you have to restructure your life to be these things, and you have to eat at this time, and you have to sleep at this time, and it was no longer like party girl, fun time, whatever um I was like resentful and like it felt like a grieving to be like okay I can't be like that anymore now I have to be this person who like goes to bed at this time and this person who like is going to the doctor and this person who because I wanted to and I think maybe this is mania is like I wanted to think that like I could just fly to Japan at any moment but it's like okay but when you you have to bring your meds with you and like just these like little weights I felt like everything was like a weight right um and so like it, it, it especially as an artist too like ha- it's so hard I don't know I don't have an answer but it was just like so hard
1: yeah yeah, yeah. no I think a lot of the. I mean there are a lot of different things that come into play there but one of them is your sense of identity it's just yeah. shaking or if you're a party person Example mm-hmm. night like you're on an artist you know like I'm supposed to do these things you know and you know and you're know, about you know like my wrestling with the pot smoking that I was doing Mm -hmm. i was an outlaw you know like and (laughs) and, what do you mean what what was it like um like being sensible like being yeah taking care of your taking care of your health you know like I mean I I I, it just it just seemed so boring yeah it wasn't it wasn't how I pictured who I was Right. So there, so there were some things that, that, I, that took time mm-hmm. to, to learn. Some of it was about how being healthy doesn't actually mean being boring. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, know. But, <laughs> I know. I it's, know. But it's, it's different. I mean, yeah. it is totally different. Like, no, I can't go to that party that starts at midnight. I just can't.
3: I okay? know. I
1: just can't. And it's a, it's a real adjustment. It's an yeah. adjustment. Um, yeah, and I can't say that I love that part, mm-hmm. you know. But I also would say that my sense of what I do is different now. Mm-hmm. You know? What do you mean? Not um, going to a party that starts at midnight. I'm almost fifty three now, and <laughs> I mean not not to not to say that like I'm an oldster. And, you know, shouldn't be going to, you know, whatever. Oh, the music, it's so loud, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but it's okay. It's okay to go farther down your path. It's okay to grow and evolve. And Mm -hmm. if, if that, and respond to the things that are coming your way. And if that means that, that my path went down uh, a road that wasn't the kind of parties, smoke cigarettes, stay up all night, do like tons of art, but is more along the yoga, discovered yoga, love yoga. Mm -hmm. I find yoga very fulfilling, you know, Mm -hmm. like taking care of myself in other kinds of ways Mm -hmm. and just sort of letting that be part of my evolution as a person. Um yeah that 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 worked. It took a lot of attitude adjusting. Mm-hmm. it really yeah. did it really did but you know like if you, you were talking about separating what is your personality from bipolar right is I I think it's a it's a lot more complicated than than separating them right like like I've been asked you know ask ask, ask you this too what I've been asked if you could pluck the bipolar from your life like mm-hmm. either you were never bipolar or there was a cure right now Um, Would you do it?
3: I don't know, because I'm, I'm, I think it's allowed me to see the world in a very interesting way. I think it's allowed me to have a more open mind about with, with what I've worked on with my art, with like, what things could be. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've also like trigger warning or whatever. I've also wanted to kill myself a a million times. Mm -hmm. So like, (laughs) I, and I've also woken up from mania with so much shame and so much like bad ideas and like bad things that have happened. And like, I really have to, like, I was just manic and I had to make a thing where I could only text four people in my phone Mm -hmm. and I can't text anyone else. And so I was like, these are the four and no one else can hear from me, even if I think I have something I really need to tell them. And that's like embarrassing and sucks, but also... I, I wonder like you like how much of what I've made and how much of what I've how much of of my personality and what I've learned or whatever is like tied to it. I mm-hmm. don't know. And it was that's the feeling with meds, too, is like, am I not going to be able to like, yeah, that screenplay wasn't great, but I was able to work it into something. Mm-hmm. And like I maybe wouldn't have had the bare bones of it if I hadn't had a manic episode and stayed up all night, blah, blah, blah. And like I had like a ex-girlfriend say something really flippant where I like in 2019, I had three different projects come out and I was like, wow, I really have a lot of stuff coming to fruition. And she was like, well, nothing like a manic episode. And I was like, okay, so how much of this was mania versus how much of this was like my actual accomplishments. And then you just like, I, so I really don't know. (laughs)
1: Right. right.
3: But also that same year I had, it was like cognitive dissonance because I had these things coming out. And then in April, I like was like, I'm going to kill myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Like so I, that's because you were going through a breakup,
3: not just like, I've had breakups b- before where I wasn't like that, but I was like, lit- and like the, the one breakup in 2016, wasn't, I wasn't like making plans like this, this like breakup happened in February. And in April, I was like, here's where I'm going to drive my car off a cliff.
1: Mm -hmm. Like
3: that's like, but then I think if someone, if I had done it, I feel like the narrative would have been like, this doesn't make any sense. She was so, she had all these things going on. So like, it's confusing even to me.
1: Well, I think that aspect of being in an episode is something mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't quite understand, like depression. Like, mm-hmm. well, of course the context was, you know, it, the context was a, a breakup. It made mm-hmm. sense to be really down and out of it, but then it get it's, it's more extreme. It's a, it's, mo- it's a more thorough sense of worthlessness mm-hmm. and, um, I mean, I don't want to project onto you necessarily the way that <laughs> you were feeling, but but it but it becomes more extreme to to the to the point that it that it doesn't just have to do with that context. It's not just the grief. It's it's much much more thoroughly deep and entrenched. So um, and similarly, like mania isn't just feeling good, or mm-hmm. or isn't just feeling amped it's, it's well beyond that. I mean, for some people the feeling like getting delusional, mm-hmm. I never, I never got delusional or psychotic, but I definitely felt like I was on top of the world. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt like, like everything was interconnected and had a very strong sense of ooh, that. Ooh,
3: the ooh, co- the connecting the dots. Uh-huh. The yeah, connecting, the it. red string on the board of connecting dots.
1: I don't really like to sit for too long with the amazing parts of mania. No, yeah. also really uncomfortable a lot. Yeah, um, you're in pain. Capacity. You're trying
3: to talk to your... And you're aware for me, I'm aware that in some part of my brain that what I'm saying is ridiculous, Mm. but I like can't stop. And so I'm like talking to my roommate, my partner being like, and this and this and this and this and this. And I know in back of my head, they're looking at me. They're worried. They're they don't know what I'm talking about. I'm probably not making sense. I should stop talking. You can't stop. You can't. So you're just embarrassing (laughs) yourself.
1: I remember when I was, um, I threw an enormous 30th birthday party for myself. Cool. and You know, like I had all this stuff. It was a club and I had, you know, like I put on a show and I got, you know, I got an MC and I got a band and there was spin art and we were going to, there was going to be a cake. And I kept having, you know, like, you know, like more and more aspects. And I remember thinking that I wish that I could just not have more ideas because yeah. I couldn't, I, I felt, I felt like a, like a, I don't know, a, a, a horse, an ox, you know, like mm-hmm. something that you, some animal that you pull by the, the ring on their nose, because I just couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't stop
3: mm-hmm. um,
1: in, interrupting people. So there's that aspect too, that I really think that, that those of us uh, who miss our manias kind of forget about. You know, so there, there were a lot of, um, there were a lot of amazing ideas that came from it. There were a lot of, like you were saying, like, okay, ideas that felt amazing. <laughs> 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 There's a, a lot of fallout too. Yeah. So a lot of
3: people annoyed at you. A lot of people pissed at you.
1: Some burnt bridges. Oh yeah. let us have some burnt bridges. I, I wouldn't pluck that out of my life either, the bipolar, mm-hmm. partly because if that's asked around the context of gene therapy, right? Uh, where like if there's a bipolar gene, could we pluck that out? Um, because I feel um, that there is so much overlap with my experience of being a stable creative person mm-hmm. that I don't, I I just kind of my my intuition is mm-hmm. that they're related, that they're they're intertwined and that mm-hmm. the medication feels like it keeps it keeps me reined into a place or grounded in a place or moored in a place mm-hmm. that allows me to live my life with without those uh, destructive extremes.
3: Do you still have like episodes?
1: I haven't really had a full blown episode since those episodes um, when I was diagnosed, That's and then amazing. I definitely had ups and downs. Yeah, um, and really like for those four years, some like real ups and downs, and I wouldn't consider myself stable by mm-hmm. any means. Although I didn't get all the way into into the kinds of episodes, just because I had my psychiatrist to help. Homing around, <laughs> yeah, you know, and and then <sighs> the the kinds of like we were talking about, like attitude adjustments and things that I I could do, um, and in taking care of myself, I haven't had any full blown episodes, and um, things are things have been pretty steady for years now.
3: That's nice to hear. I I feel like I have to do a lot of. Um... Like I'm off Twitter now because the last time I was on Twitter, I pissed everyone off. And I think like there's certain things that I'm just like, you don't get to have this. <laughs> like you, yeah. you, we don't trust you're you. Still,
0: you're still within those first few years of finding the right medication. You know, that is like, true. you're right. not 20 years out from it. So that's who knows true. That's where true. You'll so be. it is
1: nice to hear. Yeah. There's this theory called kindling theory where um, that says that the more that you cycle the more you're likely to cycle so um which I think is true in a lot of people's experiences um Mm -hmm. and I think that the that the opposite is probably true also that the longer you're stable the more you can stay stable
0: rapid cycling does make it a lot harder to treat and Mm -hmm. and I also I wanted to talk a little bit because for me it was interesting to learn that bipolar is a progressive disease. So the longer that it goes untreated, the worse that it will get. And so if you go off of your medication, like you're setting yourself up where it can be harder to get, like my teacher explained it, where like your base of stability kind of goes down. So like you can like get back to a lower base of stability, but that's sort of why it's so important to have those interventions kind of early on in the diagnosis. And and so what are your thoughts on it being a progressive disease and why, why do you think it's important that people kind of like tackle it when they first find out if you do think that?
1: Well, that's, that's an, it's an excellent question. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll approach it this way. Um, I, I, so I didn't have full blown episodes until I was in my late twenties. I would say that sophomore year of college, I was pretty depressed. I remember going through a summer of feeling really up, um, but long periods of what's called euphemia, um, mm-hmm. which is just... Like a stable a mood. ground, yeah. And so, so my progression was kind of like maybe stepwise, maybe, you know, like a... Like a, I don't even know what to call that that shape. I I, I drew it in like <laughs> sort of like, right, like a small like
0: a small curve, but not. Yeah.
1: Well, it's it starts you know like it starts out flat and then it has some bumps up and down and then mm-hmm. it's flat and then bumps up and down and then bumps up and down and then more extreme bumps up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I would describe it. But so I was, I've been asked if I wish that I had been diagnosed earlier. And I would say, no, Mm. Um, I don't think that it was really a disorder before it started disordering my life.
0: Mm. Um,
1: I wouldn't have wanted to be on meds yet. um, And um, I don't think that I would have been convinced that I needed to, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it had to get to the point where there was an issue for me to Deal with it. I really knew that I had to deal with it. So it's kind of to get back to your question a bit. I think I think that there it's a double-edged sword. It's probably mm-hmm. a many-edged sword. Right. <laughs> uh, it's a number of swords. double uh, Because I think that a lot of people are diagnosed really young and yeah. get on meds, which which turns into a whole lot of meds. Right. It was like meds for you know, the side effects and, and they're not well monitored Mm -hmm. or I'm not going to give my whole speech about how fucked up the mental health system is because it just, it's, um, it is so frustrating. Yeah. We talk about that a lot here. (laughs) Um, it's hard, you know, so I'm doing mental, I'm doing, um, coaching now, mental health coaching, And, um, one of the things that's so hard, and this was really hard in rock steady too. Well, I mean, my coaching, it's basically rock steady on a one-on-one basis is okay. So here, once you get to this place of danger or, or feeling bad, call your doctor. I mean, that's the thing, right? Call your doctor. Mm -hmm. And who's that? You know, like who makes yeah. that phone call? Who takes care of that? And there is there's just so much missing in the in the resources and the way that the system is set up, that what we what we have to do is figure out our own paths and figure mm-hmm. out what it is the the ways that we can take care of ourselves with a faulty system. We can't just say, Oh, the system is faulty the yeah. end. You know, mm-hmm. right? we have to figure out how to, how to advocate for ourselves and then also other kinds of resources um, that we can use to keep ourselves healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, that was so I don't know if I entirely answered <laughs> that question. I, really, I think it's important to, um, to figure out how to stay stable for those reasons, because, Mm -hmm. because it is progressive, right. For most, for most people, again, like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. different for everybody. Um, Bipolar
0: one is, is different than bipolar two, but for bipolar one, I, you know, and I think, I think that psychoeducation is such a huge part of treatment because if somebody doesn't understand that it's progressive, then the risk of like, let me try going off my meds. Isn't as big of a risk. It's a lot, and you know, and it's also hard because it's not like you were saying before. Even the medication
1: component is not an exact science. It's your brain, you know, like brain is like one of those of the final frontiers. It's <laughs> <laughs> like one of the yeah. They, they just don't know how the brain works. There's so much mystery there. There's another joke in uh, Rocksteady that they. Um, you know, I don't know that, you know, like we were using this floor wax and people seem to be getting less depressed. And then, you know, like, so now you can spend a million dollars on this, that we discovered, you mm-hmm. know, like, totally. and so many meds are that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They were developed for one
0: thing and then found that it was having this effect on like your mood or something. And then they're like, Oh, let's pivot to that. But they don't understand why it's doing that in your brain. Before we move on to the game show, I just want to talk a little bit about the narrative around bipolar and like how the work that you're doing is kind of reshaping that narrative mm-hmm. is that something that you kind of set out to do reshaping the narrative well where that the you know a lot of times it's that they it ends in it ends in, in suicide tragedy. Or tragedy or that that you can't ever get to a stable place um that you aren't creative as if you go on medication that you lose yourself if you go on medication mm-hmm. right. um were you trying to show that, that, that that's not the truth or is that
1: just your own personal experience so you shared that? So far as the narrative goes, yeah, for sure. I wanted to be able to give people company and hope and some answers about um, creativity and medication. But also, I would say that one of the things that I wanted to do with my work is to, um, to not just share my story. Um, which is really important, and we're having more and more of that to give company. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I have company. It's really, really important, right? And and I and I and I can have hope that you know. Um, I think that the step beyond that, though, is also really important um, of healing, and and help healing. Yeah. There, there was a there was um, an interview with original founder of Me Too where she was asked uh, how she felt about, you know, like how how big it had gotten. And I mean, she thought that that was cool. But one of the things that was her goal from the start was to get resources for women, to connect women with resources. Mm -hmm. And so beyond just sharing our stories, like this has happened to me, you know, but like, okay, what do I do with that? And so that has become part of what has become really important to me. Yeah. I put out Rocksteady and that's why I'm doing this work as a mental health coach. So, so that, so that we can know that we're not alone, know that we can do something and then, and then really figure out what it is that we can, that we can do to, um, to, to, to help ourselves be healthy.
0: I love that. Would you like to play a game show as Gabby cries?
3: (laughs) I'm just crying because it was like, it's just weird. It's just weird for to be in a place in 2012 that I was at. And then it's like eight years later and you're just like on a podcast talking to the person being like, anyway, eight
1: years ago was, you know, I don't know. Sorry. Right. No, it's, it's really intense. It's really intense. You know, I, um, I hadn't, not too long ago, I hadn't, I hadn't read marbles in a long time. Um, and this was actually for my TED talk. Mm -hmm. I had to go back in there. Like I had to go back in there when, when I was writing marbles, I had to really excavate the emotional state that I was in and the things that had happened and the fallout and like all of those things. And And like, like when, when you, when you heal, you know, you can kind of put those in, in in your you know kind of I don't know store those away put them on the shelf not take them out so much mm-hmm. but you know when you take them out they're really intense they're really intense and you know I don't revisit that to really like sink into the emotions of that and the experience of that and the like how did I get out of the hopelessness of that I mean it's really really intense it's really intense. Gabby congratulations <laughs> for, for, you know seriously it's hard. <sighs> It's hard, really hard. I'm so honored to have been a part of your kind of getting yourself out of of the thick of that then. It was just a lovely
3: coincidence that that's where I went and that's what I was going through and that book had just come out and that I picked it up and just like the world's crazy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's
3: all interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, like, it's eight years later, and I'm like interviewing the person who wrote it. I don't know. Anyway. It's exciting. (laughs) That's great. That's growth, you know? It's growth. But, like, me back then, like, if I was like, look at this, you know? Anyway. Sorry, we have to play a game show now. (laughs) This this podcast is wild. (laughs) It's a roller coaster. (laughs) Uh, So this game show is called Hypothetical.
0: (laughs) Uh, You and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. And then you would tell me what you would do. But you can also ask any clarifying questions that you have. Oh, boy. Okay. Are you guys ready? Ready. I can't even imagine. Let's go. (laughs) Our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Your spouse of four years is away at a bachelor party. They call you at two in the morning to let you know that they are very drunk and are most likely going to cheat on you with this girl they met at the bar. They wanted to call to apologize in advance and hope you will forgive them. But this girl is very hot and they are very drunk. Before you can say anything, their phone dies. Would you stay with this
1: cheater? Have they ever done it before?
0: No. How long have we been together? This is your spouse of four years spouse. Oh boy. Who's, who's Um, the girl? Who's the girl? What's her deal? She was on America's next top model.
1: Uh, I would say, I would say if it was my spouse of four years and this was really out of character for them, then I would want to go to counseling of some sort and make sure that it didn't happen again, because it was very hurtful. That's a very reasonable answer. See, the thing is that I would, I would hope, you know, like without going into all of the details and all of everything, you know, and the drunk, the, like the drunk part, I don't really like, cause I don't have a lot of patience with that. Like, uh. oh, you know, whatever. I would say that if either me or my spouse of four years had, you know, like this, like uh, for, for. I can't even think of what reason exactly some um, like some amazing gorgeous woman that we were really attracted to. I think that we that maybe for one night, maybe we would have a little flexibility. I
3: see. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right. And they called. I mean, I would be like, okay. if they called, I'd be like, send me a picture of her. I need to know. I need to know.
1: That's right. If only we could be involved. Yeah. Hello. How far away
3: is this bachelor they party? They should have.
0: They, it was in New Orleans,
3: and we're here in LA.
0: Yeah, that's a bummer. Sorry. Um,
3: um,
1: yeah. Well, uh, so glad that you had a great time. Can she come visit us? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank,
0: Thank you. you. I'll award you both ten points for that. That was a great answer.
3: Creativity, flexibility, open
0: and collaborating with. Them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our next game is Are They an Alien or Just Rude? Okay. You have to undergo surgery on your knee. When you wake up, uh, you see that your normally brown hair has been dyed blonde. It looks amazing, but what the hell? Your nurse comes in and announces that she did the dye job. She awaits your thanks and tells you that you don't have to pay her anything. You just need to reimburse her for the dye. Is this person
1: an alien or just rude? Oh, my God. Have we had any sort of discussion? No. Had I ever seen her before? No. (laughs) She's just...
0: She was like your post-op nurse who, like, did this while you were uh, coming out of anesthesia.
3: This might you, be my favorite one you you've mean. ever done. <laughs> this might be my favorite one you've ever done. Because
0: it looks incredible,
3: but you right. did not
1: give consent. The qualifier
3: that it looks incredible is
1: really you know, throwing me. You know, it's a catch. That's a catch. The the looking incredible.
3: part. Right. A lot of maintenance go let me just speak on my own experience being bleach blonde for a long time it destroys your hair so she thinks that she did me a favor but to be honest I had to like shave and then get it all back because my hair was I mean you Allison my hair was like dead uh, I don't think so yeah it was not I mean it was I know, very because because you,
0: you cut it so I didn't see what it looked like if you had left it
1: No, no, no. Okay, so but here's the aspect of it too. When you're when you're in the hospital, even when you're just sitting on your doctor's examination table, Uh you feel a certain vulnerability, right? Right. And if you have been through surgery and have been through surgery, you know you have that gown on and that cap, and you don't have any makeup, and you feel really vulnerable. Sticking things in your veins and whatever. I mean, besides the fact that I'm like, did you take all this? What about my IV? You know, like, is that hygienic? You know, whatever. But you already feel like you're being so violated in a lot of ways that I think that that kind of Mm -hmm, violation mm -hmm. that she would be a rude alien.
3: Yeah, I think she's just rude. Turns out she's your guardian angel. She's
0: not even- She's not even a nurse.
3: No. Allison, explain (laughs) to me why a guardian angel dyed my hair. Please.
0: Because now you're gonna walk down the street with confidence and pizzazz because you've always secretly wanted to be a blonde and just that next day you get a new job and a new partner. Allison! Despite- Despite (laughs) having a full leg brace because of the knee surgery. Allison! I Maybe
1: can't. it was because
0: of the full like race. Right? That's true. Although I've had that and, and nothing went my way.
3: Um, I can't, like, I, y- you've broken me. <laughs> okay, our final game.
0: I'll give you each two points for that, why not? Because you went along with me. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the points
3: really matter. The
0: points matter a lot. Okay, our final game. Are you a terrible parent? Okay. Your child, 11 wants to be YouTube famous, but you think they are too young to be so public online. When they insist, you tell them it's important to have a lot of footage before they start posting, and you help them film for an entire month. When it's finally time to post, you declare that you've been hacked and all of the footage is gone. They are so upset and disappointed that they give up on their dream of being YouTube famous and join a soccer team instead. Are you a terrible parent?
3: Are they really good at
1: soccer? No.
0: But they enjoy it and they make friends.
1: So, is this supposed to be like <laughs> the ends justify the means? Kind of. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, <sighs> hmm. uh, well, you know, I don't know. Parents lie to their kids about Santa. And- <laughs>
3: At 11, <laughs> an 11 year old doesn't know about Santa. Yeah, okay. I don't know.
1: It's kind of, I think it might be kind of old for a parent to be lying to their kid for their own. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how long I'm not a parent. How, like, how long? How long should you lie? <laughs> if, you're, if
3: you're a parent, please write into the JBU podcast and let us know how long do you lie to your kid for? In my experience, my parents, I'm 32. They're still doing it. <laughs> I haven't heard the truth in years. Okay, I think you are a bad parent because I think you should have better communication skills
1: with your own child. I would agree with that. I, I, I would totally agree with that. Better communication skills and maybe figure out okay so what what is i mean like with a lot of things like what, what is your end goal here what is mm-hmm. it that you want and how can we come to a, a good place for this together
0: this was so amazing thank you so much for joining us where can people find you in all of your amazing
1: work ah uh, well let's see on Instagram I'm I'm Ellen underscore forney that's probably that's probably the easiest I'm also Ellenforney.com. You can can find links to my coaching on either of those places.
0: Amazing. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about reframing exercise. Whoa. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories, back to Just Between Us. It's time for
3: Topics! X X, 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 baby! 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 Sometimes we go high with it. You don't know. You can't you predict know. us. You can't predict us! Oh boy. This show is just highs and lows. What even is it? You know what I mean? Sure.
0: So this week's topic was inspired by a listener's email, um, but I'd already picked the IQ, so I was like, why don't we make this the topic? And it was about exercise. Mm-hmm. And how I think a lot of times we're brought up to view exercise as a primary way of changing the way our body looks. Mm. First of all, it might not even provide that, depending on your body, and then it also provides so much more. And mm-hmm. so, how do we develop a healthier relationship with exercise? So it's not just about being f- thinner or fitter, right. or yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like what are how do we re- reframe that in our brains?
3: For me. The times where I've been working out the most, the biggest uh, thing that has made me feel really good is, like, I can carry my laundry or, like, I can carry my groceries. <laughs> the yeah. only real noticeable thing that I've ever had where I've been like, ooh, is that, like, I pick up a box and it's not, like, the biggest struggle of my life. <laughs> so that's a big thing, right? Strength. Okay, I'm not really big into exercise. My big thing right now is stretching. Because stretching's important. Who oh, I, my hips get tired. My, I got sore muscles in my butt. I like can't, I, I feel like there's a huge part of it. And I probably should start exercising because there's a huge part of it. That's like, I'm not as elastic as I used to be.
0: I didn't exercise at all until my early twenties. I mean, mm-hmm. I played tennis a lot in high school, but I that didn't counts. like, Yeah, but I didn't, like, work out until my early 20s. I mean, in high
3: school, they had us running, they had, it's kind of fucked up that they're called suicides, but they had us running suicides all the time in basketball practice and stuff. So, you're getting it throughout the day in a way that, like, when you're in college or in in your 20s, it's not part of your routine the same way. Right.
0: I started exercising as a fuck you to my boyfriend at the time because he kept telling me that if I exercised, it would help my mental health, and I wanted to (laughs) prove to him that he was wrong. but guess Ah! guess what it did
2: (laughs) so So for me
0: I can really tell a difference like I get very restless at night and Mm. if I don't work out it's even worse Mm -hmm. Um, and so it also is it really helpful for me when I'm building a, a routine in my day. So like, you know, that I, I get up, I walk the dog, I work out, I eat breakfast, like even just having three steps in a routine feels even if like the rest of my day is a little more nebulous, like that sets me up of like, okay, I'm entering the work day. This is a
3: weekday. This is, you know, and that helps a lot. What What's your workout? I mean I know cuz we share a YouTube channel so I can see what you search well, but actually don't know. So um, <laughs> okay. Uh, I back in LA
0: um, this is going to be sad cuz I, I have to say we even though now I am an I uh, we bought an elliptical. What? Yes. Yeah, so for the last few months I've been using an elliptical for like 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes a day and then I would also do some weights. That is Um, fancy. And now that I'm home, my father, for his birthday and anniversary gift, got a Peloton. Oh, my God. I know. And at first, I was like, fuck Pelotons. I hate this. And I've hated exercise bikes always. I always preferred an elliptical. Um, But I tried it, and I'm I'm all in.
3: Are you, like, doing the thing where you're, like, looking at the class and, like, it's, like, the... In the commercials for Peloton. So this is something I want to talk about is that exercise
0: feels like uh, such a broad thing. And it's like your friend will be like, well, I like to do this. So you'll like to do it, too. But you won't like I know there's so many different types. Like you really have to figure out what works for you or else you're going to hate it and dread it Mm -hmm. and so for me I did a couple of those classes and it was like okay but like I prefer to like listen to a podcast or watch tv when I work out and when you do those classes you're not able to so now I found that you can just like pick a um, amount of time and they take you on like a, a journey through like pretty scenes, but I don't really watch it. But anyway, I Ah! now just hit 30 minutes. And then I do intervals of two minutes sitting on the bike at a lower resistance then two minutes standing on the bike at a higher resistance. And then I do that for 30 minutes on off on off. Um, And so again, like that was something like I had to figure out like, what are the scenes? Oh, Like today, I think I rode through Utah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't pay attention to it. My dad literally just sits and watches the scenes. (laughs) And then, like, plays the music that comes with it. And that's all he does. It's
3: probably (laughs) soothing.
0: But that's what I mean. Like, I think that there's, like, this concept of, like... It's, like, how we always are, like, you have to search for the right therapist. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to search for the kind of exercise that, like, you actually as much as you can look forward to, or Mm -hmm. is, or you are able to incorporate into your day. So that like, maybe you're someone where like, you like to do it all at once, like right in the beginning of the day, like me, or you can do like 10 minutes of arms in the morning, you know, 10 minutes of abs in the afternoon, go for a walk at dusk. Like, I think you Mm -hmm. just have to find how to incorporate it into your routine. And then think of it as something that is nurturing your body. Versus mm. changing your body visually. Mm. I hate it. I historically hate it too, but, I, and maybe it's because I'm just like, things are pretty low for me. right now, But like, Uh, I've honestly started to look forward to it because it is an escape from my mind. It is like in those moments, I am like, I'm working towards something, I get a sense of accomplishment. I feel like I've, I've pushed myself and that I've, I've made a commitment to myself that I'm keeping, you know, like you can get a lot of satisfaction just from completing (sighs) the exercise itself versus focusing only on like, what it will do to your body in the long run.
3: I went through periods where I was doing Muay Thai and then I, Mm -hmm. and then I had a trainer and I was doing all this stuff and I like really cared about it. Uh, and like when I had my trainer, I was, I would like go dread it, dread it the whole way there, get there, hate the whole thing and then leave and like be like, that was good. But like the, the like I was never like la la, la love to do totally. this. Totally, and and then I started being like, why do I have to do something that I hate? Uh, mm-hmm. No, no shade to Cody, who was a lovely trainer.
0: This summer, didn't you stay somewhere with a pool and you went swimming every day? Yes. And didn't you enjoy that? Yes. So I think it's about finding something that you enjoy, or at least that you don't dread yeah, maybe I need to go to like a
3: YMCA and like start swimming again because the swimming, the swimming didn't feel oppressive. It felt like something you were doing for you. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's also, I just like swimming.
0: So I think that that's really a key part of it is figuring out what of all of these options do you like? And also not Hmm. expecting if you haven't been exercising for a long time to be able to jump back into where you were. Yeah. So like you have to work your way back up. Like maybe you are just starting with a 30 minute walk every day and then maybe you go 20 minutes on the elliptical like i literally last week was like to my mom like i i I like this bike but i cannot imagine ever being able to do 30 minutes because i've been doing 20 minutes and now i'm for days i've been doing 30 minutes and like that's cool you know so like focusing on on like how can i get better at this thing versus how can i be thinner
3: (laughs) you know oh i've never yeah 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 no but that but for a lot of people exercise is is completely
0: linked to body image
3: and not like mental health. Right. I mean, I just feel like, you know, for a lot of us, like you were meant to move. Totally. You know, humanity was meant to move in certain ways or as much as you can and blah. And like, you know, I just am like, okay, like I feel better when I walk around or when I take the beans on an actual walk. My dog is the laziest little thing in the world <laughs> I made him I made him actually take like a long walk with me and he uh when we got back he pooped the biggest poop I've ever seen in my life so he See, he needed it yeah think of all the poops you'll take after you <laughs> work out really hard um but like I yeah I mean clearly he needed it and like clearly I did I mean even just like sunshine oh my god
0: Totally. And with the pandemic, you know, especially depending on where you live, you might not be able to get outside right now because it's snowing or it's freezing or whatever. Yeah. But I really think like this is a, a great part of your life that you can reframe into, you know, setting goals for yourself that are literally just to hit those goals. Just like how fun uh, it is to be like, I wanted to hit 30 minutes on the bike, and I hit 30 minutes on the bike. Like, that's cool. I that's just awesome. hate it.
3: I hate it. And it takes so much effort to figure out what works for you and what and what is good. And I've gone through phases and like maybe it's like, okay, maybe you just go through phases of trying to figure out what you like and what you don't like and whatever. Sounds um, a lot like life. I know. <laughs> but I'm also like, I get in my head where I'm just like, Why am I wasting my life doing things that I don't like? We're all going to be bones in the ground in the end. May as well just not do it.
0: But I can tell you scientifically that it helps your brain. It helps your brain and it also makes you less likely to um, have dementia later on. That's okay. just science.
3: I'm giving you a, a, a stink a, eye. A stink
0: eye. let come share your
2: exercise routine because I have a feeling you have one. Why would you think that?
3: Oh, look at this bike. Look at this bike.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a row machine. It's a row machine.
3: Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: those are hard. <laughs> so how did you figure
2: out that you like to do rowing? Uh, just going to an exercise class and they threw it in one, uh, one of those classes where they have different yeah, like circuits. Yeah, circuits, that that would be the word. And <laughs> I tried it and I was like, ooh, I love this. And then I got obsessed. And then I actually, during COVID, like I was the type of person that I, every Sunday, me and Megan, Megan Rinks would go and we would take a workout class, do something different every, oh, every week. And so during COVID, I don't have that anymore. And I had actually, uh, when it first started, I was like hardcore doing a whole bunch of classes because, you know, everybody was doing those -hmm. free classes online and stuff. And then I just stopped and I was just like, we're stuck like this and I don't feel like doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so um, then the last couple or last month, I should say, I've been getting like very... Like I need to be moving around and doing something. And so I asked my parents for a row machine for Christmas and then they got it for me. So now I have Ah, it. (laughs)
3: That's so exciting. Yeah, Yeah, I know you've talked about like sleep problems. Does it help with insomnia? This is my guess for me.
2: I used to use working out as a way to help with my sleep, but not in a healthy way. So I would work out, like I had a gym membership and I would go there and I would work out so hard until it it exhausts me and then go home and go to sleep wow and so um i would be working out for a very long time and it just wasn't healthy so but that was the way that i could go to sleep
0: wow so that's the other tricky thing with exercise is that sometimes can then lead to unhealthy behavior Mm -hmm. and dependence and obsession and so it's all about
2: it's about balance right
3: So how do you know now, Melissa, how do you regulate it now?
2: I don't use it as a way to go to sleep. I use Mm -hmm. it more as just a way to feel better during my day. And I also don't do it at night. I'll do it in the middle of the day.
0: Okay. Right. Interesting. See, I Ugh. think that's like a perfect example. Like if I'd asked you a few years ago, if you think that rowing would be your ideal form of exercise, yeah. <laughs> like you would probably be like, what the fuck are you talking right. about? I would
2: like I would honestly I would go to the gym a couple of years ago. I'd go to the gym at like 10 o'clock at night or if mm. I was like I was working um, on a TV show and I would go when we were done on set which would be like 11, 10, 11 o'clock at night after I had been up since (gasps) six o'clock. So I would immediately leave set and go to the gym and just work out for at least like get on a bike or go do a class. If it was if because I think the last class was at like nine, I would go to the class, get on the bike. Oh, my God. Do something until I just like couldn't move anymore
0: yeah like I also think that there's like this expectation that like you have to work out to the point of wanting to die Mm -hmm. and I don't think that that's
2: true right
0: you just need to get your heart rate up and that Mm -hmm. that doesn't involve as much as some people would lead you to believe (laughs)
3: yeah I think there's also like the no pain no gain right so like I would be like I have to be I have to be hurting in order for this to be effective.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that good burn. Yeah. Ugh.
3: But see, that
0: also feeds into like in order for me to burn enough calories in order for me to lose. You know what I mean? But if instead it's just like, how do I get my heart rate up and feel like I'm moving and I don't have as much anxious energy helps reframe I will that, attempt, I
3: think. I will attempt to find joy in it. But I want people listening to be like that. Hate it. I'm with you. I hated Mm -hmm. it for years and years and years. You both have bikes. You have no room
2: to speak to people. But more like doing that is so that I, like for me, I live by myself. Um, I'm not getting out, like doing anything. Mm -hmm. It's more so of like a motivation for me to move around when I'm not. Because I I sit down all day long. So it's a motivation. That's true. That's true. That's true. Fine. I accept
0: it. <laughs> okay, this episode is so long, so all I'm going <laughs> to allow is us to rate it. What do we what do we rate it?
2: I'm gonna give it 70 out of 69 endurance drills. <laughs> 69! That's so
3: many. <laughs> yeah. I uh, wow. Okay, I rate it um um 14 out of 13 marbles okay yeah i really love that book everyone get that book please
0: i will rate it uh 17 out of 15 books that changed gabby's life oh
3: oh it really did (laughs)
0: that's so amazing this was a this was an example of meeting your hero and it actually went well i was so nervous but you did great wow thank you so much to ellen forney for being our guest
3: just Between Us is a Forever Dog production. Hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa D. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed
0: our killer theme music.
3: To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus.
0: Check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam or youtube.com slash justbetweenusshow.
3: And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all of the latest Forever Dog news. And also me and Allison on Instagram, at Allison Raskin and at
1: Gabby Road. Forever! Dog!